trickle-down economics is a flawed rationale for tax policy because it's utilitarian in nature. You know, the the trickle-down economics argument is effectively we should give tax cuts to people, to the wealthy in particular. We should give them tax cuts because they, in turn, will invest in businesses, and those businesses are productive, and they create jobs, and that trickles the income down to the middle class and, and to people who need it, people who are productive. Now, there's a truth to that, right? I mean, unquestionably, that when you, if you, if people have more money, if they're able to keep more of the money that they've earned, what are they going to do with it? They're going to do one of two things. There's only two things they can do. They can either save it or they can spend it. And if they spend it, they're consuming, they're engaging with businesses, they're in the, thus fueling jobs and what have you. And if they save it, it's going to be earning some kind of interest, even if it's just in a savings account. But that's not where rich people put their money. They put their money in investments. And investments are, are capital allocated to productive activity. They're investing for the purpose of being profitable. And so that is supporting activity that's actually producing values for real human beings in the economy. Economic value is human value. This is one of the things we talked about recently on the program when I presented my my revised standing rules for the program. Economic value is human value. It represents real human action, real human life expended, real human effort, and it ought to be respected as such. But trickle-down, this argument that we should give people tax cuts in order to facilitate the trickle down is an inherently flawed argument. And, you know, this tweet demonstrates one of the flaws because it puts the onus entirely on being able to demonstrate that a particular tax cut or a person's particular benefit from having received a tax cut resulted in the production of a job. And that is not that is not a that's not the reason why we ought to let people have their money. The real argument here is not utilitarian. The real argument is moral. People ought to be able to retain their own money that they have earned because it's their money and they earned it. Right? Like this the the onus here. And the premise that we have adopted by employee, and I say we in a very general sense, because obviously trickle-down goes back decades in terms of conservative and Republican rhetoric. But the the premise that we subscribe to when we present trickle-down as a rationale for why we ought to cut taxes is that the onus is on us to demonstrate some sort of social utility to allowing people to keep their money. That is a wrong-headed premise. The reason why you let people keep their money is because you're moral, because you're not a thief, because you don't take other people's stuff, because in the end, it's the right thing to do. That's why you don't take other people's money. That's why you cut taxes, right? Taxation is theft. That's the reason. That's the moral impetus, not trickle down. Now, that said, we live in a world where taxes are a thing. We live in a world where government requires revenue in order to do the things that constituents expect government to do. And so we, we need to bring some sort of process or some sort of uh, matrix of thought 
of concepts to to bear to determine how we're going about deciding just how much we're going to tax, just how much we're going to steal from the taxpayer, right? And so, you know, what should that be? And part of the problem with conservatism, one of the, or, or conservatism as it's currently practiced and currently advocated for in the public discourse, is that all you ever see, and we saw this pan out with the tax cuts last year under Trump and the, the Republicans in Washington, D.C., all you ever see or hear is the case for cutting taxes. And that seems to be all they're ever interested in doing. They're not interested in addressing the other side of the equation, which is spending. Well, and Trump isn't interested in addressing tariffs. He, right. He, everything that, you know, the, the $13 so that Margaret the Secretary can start saving for college uh, that Paul Ryan posited when uh, they made the TCGAA uh, is being eaten up by tariffs. And that is part of the reason why inflation is rising. That's part of the reason yeah. why you're not seeing the gains that you thought you would in recent years. Well, and, and that's what happens when you go to utilitarian arguments rather than the moral argument. Because the, the utilitarian case for tax cuts, by by adopting that and and accepting that as legitimate, you open yourself up to a utilitarian case for tariffs, which is exactly what's been offered. We're, we're doing these tariffs in order to, you know, we're, the, the trickle-down narrative is we should give people tax cuts in order to what? Create jobs, right? We're going to facilitate investment in the economy. It's going to create jobs. Well, that's the exact same utilitarian rationale offered for the tariffs. We need to impose tariffs in order to create jobs, in order to bring mining back to northern Minnesota or whatever the case may be, in order to facilitate the steel industry and manufacturing here in the good old U.S. of A. When, when utilitarianism is your both, both your means and your end, then you're going to circumvent the morality of public policy. And that's where we ought to root ourselves firmly, is in the morality, the moral argument. It is immoral to take more money from people than you need in order to affect lawful, rightful, moral, governmental ends, which are in the in the protection and preservation of individual rights. You know, the, the first question that needs to be answered before we can decide how much we're going to tax, the question that needs to be answered is, what is government supposed to do and what have what have we agreed that government is going to do? And then what is that going to take? How much money is that going to take? And then how do we get that money? That's the order of operation that ought to be imposed. And instead what we find is, you know, on the on the left, they start off with what are we going what are we going to do regardless of how much it's going to cost? And then on the right, we start off with, you know, how, how much can we cut taxes before but we're not going to address the effect that that has on the debt and the deficit and you know the 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 running up of a bill that future generations are going to have to pay because we're too scared to advocate for cuts in spending the and all of this proceeds from focusing on utility and the political effect of utility rather than focusing on the morality of public policy dan in eden prairie wants to join us appreciate you doing so Yes, I want to chime in that I appreciate you wanting lower taxes, but taxes are not stealing. Taxes are what grown-ups pay for the government they get. So insightful. That's the whole. That's your whole comment. 
just yeah, that. My point is, we need government at some level, and we need taxes to pay. Who for. says? Who says we need it? You don't want any government at all. You don't want to pay. Well, no, what what I'm suggesting is what for your military. So wait a minute. It's interesting that you're asking me the question because the entire premise here is that you're going to take my money regardless of how I answer. So it's interesting that you'd even be interested in my opinion when you're saying that you're you're going to point a gun at my head or you're going to hire other guys to bring their guns to point at my head to take my money regardless of whether I not uh, how I answer the question. No, you can answer it how you want, but but we're going to come get your money anyway. We want government services, and how do we pay? Who wants? It? I don't want government Who services. Who wants it? Right? Who wants it? You want it. And you're going to make me pay for it. Government service at all. You don't but but you don't care what I want, Dan. You don't care what I want. You don't care what I want. If you did, then you wouldn't be forcing me to pay for it. Well, okay. I'll I'll step back. But do you want a police department in your city? How is that going to be paid for? Again, if you want a police department, and look, I, I understand the point that you're trying to make. And we can we can get down to, to to debating the merits of different government services. But the point that I'm trying to drive you towards is acknowledging the fact that at the nature of taxation is compulsion. That's it how it works. It is compulsion by the majority. Right. So and, and right, which is stealing from the minority. People who don't agree with how their tax dollars are being spent, too bad, so sad, we're taking your money anyway. That's stealing by definition. It doesn't make it, it's not, no, 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 it's not more moral. It doesn't become moral because you had a vote. It doesn't, look, if, if, let's put it on a small scale. You live on a block with 10 neighbors and there's no other people on the planet. It's just you and 10 other neighbors. If nine of them decide that they want to engage in a particular endeavor and they take a vote, the nine of them, that they're going to come take your money in order to facilitate it, what would you call that? Is that government or is that theft? Well, I would call that government because we live in a democracy. Okay, so how many people, well, hold on, hold on. How many, at what point does it become government and not theft? If it was just two people and they decided that they were going to steal from the other eight, would that be theft? At what point does it become legitimate? That's not the rule of the majority. We don't live in a democracy. So, so in other words, you're saying that the, that moral authority is determined by the majority. So you're for lynch mobs. Well, Okay, so you really think that we cannot, as a civilized democracy, impose taxes? Look, I'm, the ideal is that we wouldn't. Yes, that is my position. But this, this is what I'm trying to drive us towards. I'm how not you fund your government. Just tell me how you would fund your government. We would fund it through voluntary contribution. Okay, well... You're more idealistic than I am. No, I'm not. I'm because b- because the government that I'm talking about, you're, you're thinking of government in modern terms, in terms of everything that government does right now. And when we're talking about ideals, which obviously that's the, the, the context in which we're talking about, it's ideals right now. The government that I am advocating for is one that is limited to the sole purpose of protecting individual rights. And that is a very limited, small function compared to the current expansive bureaucratic nightmare that we're currently in that that requires millions and trillions of dollars, depending on the level you're talking about. And if government was actually limited to that purpose, 
people would see the inherent value in it. You want your rights to be protected. You would pay for it for the same reason that you voluntarily pay for insurance on your house because it provides an actual benefit to you, an actual value to you. Now that said, we don't live in that world yet. We don't, we don't have a level of cultural sophistication that has, that presents the opportunity to live in that manner and taxes are a reality. So what in the current moment, the, what I'm trying to facilitate is acknowledgement of the fact that when we decide how much we're going to tax, what we are deciding is how much we're going to steal. And by understanding it on those terms, it provides us with a sense of restraint, which currently does not exist in the public discourse. There's a tremendous amount of arrogance that goes into the presumption that we can just take any amount of money out of the economy that we arbitrarily decide. And it's reflected in ideas like those of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying we're going to spend $32.6 trillion that's going to come from some magical realm over the course of the next 10 years to fund Medicare for all. No. We need to, there needs to be some sort of restraint on our thinking when it comes to taxation, and that starts by acknowledging it as theft. Okay. I, I'm glad I was a foil for your hyperbole, but taxes are not theft. Okay. You, you, but you, they are are shades of gray. How is it gray? 50 of them, and they're beating us for it. What's your definition of theft, Dan? Every citizen will have to pay some level of taxes. Why? Right? Why? And who's going to make them? Well, Why do they have to? I mean, you think government could run on zero funds? No, ever? that's not the question. The question is, how do you get those funds? In the realm of reality, physically, how do you obtain them? And the answer is at the point of a gun. Ultimately, I appreciate the call, Dan. Appreciate you joining the program. Ultimately, if you do not pay your taxes, Men with literal guns are going to come for you. That is what theft looks like. That is not what the community looks like. That's not what a neighborhood looks like. That's what theft looks like. Taxation in its fundamental nature is theft. And we need to acknowledge that in order to begin a thoughtful and restrained and deliberative consideration of how to spend public funds. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 1035 FM. We'll be back 9 to 11 tomorrow. TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.